the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, will shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel, Defender of Zion. Shalom. Friday was Shavuot. Now, unfortunately, most synagogues throughout the world don't really celebrate, (laughs) even though it's one of God's appointed times. And in fact, many churches don't celebrate Pentecost, uh, which would be on a similar day or a similar weekend. Um, Though we do have, at 10 o'clock this morning, uh, that would be Sunday, um, the Together at the USF uh, Stadium there. Uh, and we're expecting, well, hopefully 7,000 people and over 50 churches and Messianic synagogues representing. So maybe there's still time for you to get there. <laughs> okay, well, let's take a look at this Moedim called Shavuot. But first, let's pray. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, we thank you and praise you for the 50 days of counting the Omer. We thank you, Father, as we have celebrated by counting each day and spending time with you so that we could be revived, so that we could come closer to you, that we could enjoy your presence. Lord, I thank you for being here. I thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you are doing and and that we're just excited about how you are showing up and have shown up. And I do pray for this event to gather at USF. I pray that it will be an exciting event, one where you will be glorified and people will be touched. So, Lord, pour out your Spirit in a dramatic way. We praise you, we acknowledge you, and give you all the thanks and all the glory. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Well, um, before we begin, I just mentioned to you, as I always do, that We love your prayer support, and we would certainly appreciate also financial support to help us keep keep us on the air. And it's easy to do that by just calling up our office, 813-831-5673, and speak to uh, Karen there. She'd be happy to work with you on either a monthly gift or uh, a one-time gift, whatever would be blessed. And uh, let me remind you that we love visitors. 
And so come to one of our four congregations, Tampa, St. Pete, Wesley Chapel, and also in Wesley Chapel we have a uh, Conexion, which is our Spanish-speaking congregation. We'd love for you to attend one of these. And uh, today is our last day of counting the Omer, even though Shavuot was this past Friday. However, I would like you to have the closure of counting on the last day, even though it was Friday. So why don't we do that before we begin? All right, join with me. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kiddishanu B'mitzvotav Vitzivanu Al Sifarat HaOmer Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has set us apart by your commandments and has commanded us to count the Omer. Today is the 50th day, and I have counted the Omer. Baruch Hashem! It is Shavuot. Amen. And the theme for this last day was, We are overcomers. We are revived. Revelation 12.11 says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even in the face of death. And in John 16.33 These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have shalom or peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 1 John 4.4 You are from God, children, and you have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And finally... Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also get rid of every weight and entangling sin. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. Amen. Good word, right? (laughs) Let us run the race with endurance. It's set before us. Okay. The thought for today comes from R.A. Tory, who says, The reason why many fail in battle is because they wait until the hour of battle. The reason why others succeed is because they have gained their victory on their knees long before the battle came. Anticipate your battles. Fight them on your knees before temptation comes, and you will always a victory. Hmm, I like that. Challenge. Our battle is a spiritual battle. We win if we endure. Our victory is in Yeshua. Let us encourage everyone. When we seek to be revived, we will be revived. Revival is ours in Yeshua. Prayer. Father, we proclaim thank you for the victory. We overcame because we have trusted and obeyed you. As we walk in with, as we walk with you daily, cover us with the blood of Messiah. Fill us with the power of your spirit and direct us so that we are ordained and directed by you. We love you. We 
are revived. Okay. So that's how we ended it on Friday. And what a blessing it was. Uh, Just tremendous time. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Shavuot, which uh, is the Feast of Weeks. And uh, again, the church knows this as Pentecost. It's one of the three pilgrimage festivals. In Deuteronomy 16.16, three times a year, all your males are to appear before Adonai your God in the place he chooses at the feast as at the feast of Matzot, the feast of Shavuot, and the feast of Sukkot. No one should appear before Adonai empty-handed, the gift of each man's hand according to the blessing Adonai your God has given you. And it's repeated in Exodus twenty three fourteen through seventeen and Exodus thirty four twenty two to twenty four. We also see it in Second Chronicles 8, verse 12, and it says, At that time Solomon offered burnt offerings to Adonai on the altar of Adonai, which he had built before the porch, according to the daily requirement for offerings commanded by Moses for Shabbatot, or the Sabbaths, for new moons, and for the Moedim three times a year at the Feast of Matzot, the Feast of Shavuot, and the Feast of Sukkot. So, our instruction for this Moedim, this appointed time, this holy day, comes from Leviticus 23. And we see here that, first of all, this is a spring harvest. Uh, God gave Israel the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai on Shavuot, And in Judaism, that's seen as a celebration of entering into a covenant or formal agreement between God and Israel. It was like a marriage agreement between God and Israel. It's that formalization of a new beginning for this relationship between God and Israel. And unfortunately, as I mentioned before, many synagogues don't even talk about Shavuot. When I was growing up as a Jewish fellow in Great Neck, Long Island, uh, and I don't ever remember Shavuot being mentioned. Yes, it is a shame. Well, and in the New Covenant, the Burit Chadashah, it is the celebration of the gift of God's Spirit given to us. We see that in Acts 2, verse 4, where it says, they were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, and began to speak in other tongues as the Ruach enabled them to speak out. Now, some denominations see this uh, day as the birth of the Christian church. Interestingly, both Jews and Christians see this time as the beginning of their corporate relationship with God. The same date, but about 1,500 years apart. Pretty neat how God does that, amen? So in Leviticus 23, this is what it says about Shavuot, verse 17. You are to bring out of your houses two loaves of bread for a wave offering made of two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour. They are baked, or they are to be baked with chametz or leaven. 
as first fruits to Adonai. Now you remember in Passover, uh, 50 days earlier, we were to make unleavened bread, uh, symbolizing the getting rid of sin, right? And signifying, I believe, that Yeshua was without sin. We also see that this holiday, though, this Moedim, that calls for two loaves of bread, and it is with leaven or with sin. So what gives here? What's the story, huh? Well, the loaves, I believe, represent Jews and Gentiles. That's the two loaves. And they're made with leaven because we're sinners. We both need Yeshua for atonement. We both require the high priest. In Leviticus, we read that the high priest held these two breads up and waved them to the Lord. And I believe, once again, signifying Jew and Gentile, different, yet one in Messiah, in unity because of the high priest. Leviticus 23.21, you're to make a proclamation on the same day that there be a holy convocation, you should do no regular work. This is a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. So we're to have services on that day. We're not to do any work. We're to do it forever and throughout our generations. Now, traditionally in Judaism, you stay all up, of those who celebrate at any rate, which are mainly the Orthodox, you stay up all night and you read from the book of Ruth. We did that this past Friday night. So why do you read from the book of Ruth? Good question. One thought is that Ruth's coming to Israel took place around the time of Shavuot and her acceptance into the Jewish faith was analogous of the acceptance of the Jewish people to God's word, to God's Torah. Another thought is that since the book of Ruth ends with the genealogy of David, Ruth was her his great-grandmother, it's been suggested that it is uh, read on Shavuot because there is a legend that David died on Shavuot. And finally, a third thought is that Shavuot takes place at harvest time, and Shavuot also occurs at the time of the spring harvest. In Leviticus 23.22, it says, Now when you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap to the furthest corners of your field or gather the gleaning of your harvest. Rather, you are to leave them for the poor And for the outsider, I am Adonai, your God. Well, when we look at the story of Ruth, we see that Ruth did exactly that. So let's look at the story. Do you even know the story of Ruth? Let me give it to you quickly. The book of Ruth begins in a region northeast of the Dead Sea, which is uh, Moab. Um, But then it moves to Bethlehem. During the period of the judges, uh, that's when this story is is told. And a famine forces Elimelech and his wife, Naomi. Um, they were in Israel, but they went, because of the famine, to Moab. Emelech dies, and Naomi is left with her two sons. 
But soon they marry. Two Moabite girls, Orpha and Ruth. Later, both sons die, and Naomi is left alone with Orpha and Ruth in a strange land. So Orpha returns to her parents. But Ruth says with Naomi, stays with Naomi, and as they journey back to Bethlehem, right? So eventually, Ruth marries a wealthy man named Boaz, and we'll tell you a little more of that story in a minute. They had a son, Obed, who becomes the grandfather of King David and the ancestor of Yeshua. It's interesting that Yeshua is in the lineage of an interfaith marriage between Boaz and Ruth, right? Remember the the scripture, because we read about leaving the corners of your land so that the poor and the orphans would be blessed, right? I just read that. Well, in Ruth 2.2, the uh, Ruth, uh, the Moabitess, it says, said to Naomi, please let me go out to the field and glean grain behind anyone in whose eyes I may find favor. Ruth does that and finds the field that Boaz owns. That's a God thing, right? Yeah, it is. And you can see how Ruth received the understanding that it would be okay to collect some grain from the corner of a field. She did so in order to provide food for herself and and Naomi. Now, Ruth asked, believe it or not, she, in a sense, asked Boaz to be the kinsman redeemer for her and Naomi. And we see this in Ruth 3.9. Boaz was willing to marry Ruth and also take care of Naomi. But based on the Mosaic law, if there was a closer relative, they would have the first right to be the redeemer. And so had to be asked first. And then we see that in verse 12. Boaz found the man and Boaz was given the authority to become the kinsman redeemer for Ruth and Naomi. And we see that in Ruth 4, 1 through 10. So interestingly, Boaz descended from the tribe of Judah, came out of Bethlehem to bless his people, was the great grandfather of David, the one of to whom the promise of Messiah was given and was in the genealogical line of Yeshua, right? Now, Boaz owned a field into which he sent his laborers. He received a Gentile, Ruth, when she came to the fields to glean, right? He ultimately became the kinsman redeemer of both Jew and Gentile, buying the lost inheritance of Naomi and Ruth, thus gaining the right to make Ruth his bride. In all those ways, Boaz is like Yeshua, who was from the tribe of Judah, right? Who came out of Bethlehem to bless his people. He is the son of David, so to speak, right? That's one of his titles. The Redeemer of God's elect. He sends his laborers into his field to work. He treats his own people well. He receives and welcomes Gentiles as well as the Jews. He pays our debt and therefore gains the right to make us his bride. Is this exciting? Are you excited about this? 
Yes. A redeemer is one who pays a price for someone in order to rescue them. So a kinsman redeemer under the Mosaic law was understood to be a male family member who was responsible to rescue their family member who was in danger or who had need. We see this in Leviticus 25.25, which says, If your brother becomes poor and sells some of his property, then his nearest kinsman may come and redeem what his brother had sold. We also see it in Numbers 27, 8 through 11. So, in this way, Boaz was acting in accord with the law of God. He was honoring the demands of the law and obeying the Lord in his dealings with Ruth. He does not, and in in a very real sense, cannot redeem Ruth and Naomi until he obeyed the legal demands of the law. Now, in order for him to be Ruth's redeemer, Boaz must first obey the demands of the law, then pay the price to Redeemer. It's a beautiful picture of the nature and the work of Yeshua, who fulfills the righteous requirements of the law of God, and then he pays the price in his death on the cross. Our redemption was accomplished in the active and passive obedience of the Savior. He was, in the words of Apostle Paul, obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Together, these two aspects of the obedience of Yeshua forms the grounds of our justification. We're forgiven by his death, and we are counted righteous by his perfect life. Yeshua's sacrifice is accepted because of his sinless conformity to the law. By his obedience and death, Yeshua was merited righteousness for his people. He is our redeemer according to the prescriptions of his father as typified in the laws of the kinsman redeemer. The Lord was the true redeemer in the book of Ruth. Yeshua is our ultimate redeemer, pays for our sins, brings us into the family of God, and uh, he restores us. He promises to always take care of us. And there are examples of of leading up to this idea in Psalm 130, verse 8, uh, where it says, He will redeem Israel from all its iniquities, or Isaiah 35, 10, The ransom of Adonai will return and come to Zion with singing and everlasting joy upon their heads. They will obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sign will flee away. Or Isaiah 48, 17, thus says Adonai, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am Adonai, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. We see God's hand working behind the scenes in the book of Ruth. God sent the famine that drove Naomi's family to Moab, where Ruth was. God made certain that Ruth happened to be in the field of Boaz. God had previously instituted this law of marriage um, for the kinsman, Redeemer, uh, Deuteronomy 25, 5, and 6, and God enabled Ruth to conceive. We see that in Ruth 4.13. Though it all, through it all, God's plan was to bring David into the world and continue that line of Yeshua. Is that exciting? Does that increase your faith? I, I pray it does. 
as I mentioned, please visit us. Uh, we love visitors, especially if you bring pre-believing Jews uh, to our synagogues. We have four different locations. Please check our website, shereshdavid.org. And uh, we'd love to see you, meet with you, speak with you. Um, be blessed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your Moedim, for the excitement of your word, which just is so unbelievable, but yet supernatural, that only you could have put your word together. And so this gives us tremendous faith. And I pray that everybody listening to me will make their first priority today and every day to grow in their desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen and amen. You are Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.